Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday and welcome back to The Joy Factor, a podcast by Grace Bible Church. I'm your host, Christy Garland, and I hope you are having a great start to the week. And let me tell you, it's about to get really good because today we're doing a very special and um, unique episode. So today is one of the most excited I've been to record an episode because not only do we get to have Pastor Kerry back on the podcast today, but we also get to chat with his lovely wife, Cherry. And I love both of them so much. And I think if you've spent any amount of time at Grace Bible Church, um, you'll really be able to see the impact that they have on so many people and just the joy that they both bring and the caring concern that they have for everyone around them. So that being said, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for letting us come and talk. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me along. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Um, So today's conversation is one that I know is very close to both of your hearts. And it's, it's a conversation that I've been interested in for a very long time. And that's just about adoption. Um, So obviously this is very personal for the two of you having adopted two of your own children. So kind of to start out, will you just tell us the story of how that happened, how you adopted children in the first place? Wow, you want to start? You want me to start? I'll start. Go ahead. Okay. So um, we were introduced probably, probably before thinking about adoption, we were introduced to fostering kids early in our marriage. Um, In fact, I was just pregnant with Seth. We had a, a man in our church who worked for a um, Alabama Baptist Children's Home, and he introduced us to fostering, and we actually got involved while Caleb and Seth were very young and um, did that for a period of time. We did what I'd call respite care. Um, and then as when we moved to California, we um, wanted to do it again, but each time you do it, you have to be certified to be a foster parent. So we started the process in California, and it got pretty complex. We had a we. I was working full time. Obviously, Carrie was, and we we had a hard time um, completely getting certified and getting everything done to to be to be ready to foster in California. We had not lived there very long, and that made it more complex. And so we we kind of just set that aside um, for a while. Even though for me, it was part of what I felt God had called me to do was to care for a child that, you know, I had not given birth to. And so, um, I guess a couple of years passed in us not pursuing fostering anymore. And I read a book about the lost kids of Sudan and it really spoke to me and, um, introduced the idea of adoption instead of fostering to, to me and, um, and the idea of actually doing international adoption versus doing a local adoption. And so um, I actually approached Carrie and said, you know, would you pray about this? And so we did and began the process to adopt internationally. Um, While we were in California, um, we initially picked Haiti to be our country because when you consider adopting internationally, you have to pick the country and and be certified in that country. And so we picked Haiti initially um, and the doors didn't open very quickly at all once we kind of got certified for that and then got to open the door for us to end up adopting from Columbia. Wow. Geez. So. It's crazy how God works and yeah. you never know. Right. You, we have all these expectations and thoughts that we think are going right. to pan out. Well, what was way. interesting is that we were planning to adopt one child. Right. Yeah. We were not planning to adopt two. No. 
and and so we were just waiting our turn uh, to to be matched with a child in Haiti uh, when I received a phone call uh, from our our international adoption social worker and she basically said hey I don't do this very often but um, you know we have two we have two brothers we have a set of brothers that uh, are in Colombia and one of them is getting ready to age out of the system there and the brothers will be split up. And, and so when we uh, signed up for the adoption, we made it known that we were not looking for an, an infant or a toddler. We told them we would adopt anyone between the ages of six and 10. So one of these brothers that we're being told about is in that age group and then the other one was 13. So it was a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old. And, and basically she said, you know, would you pray about these two boys? Uh, if you don't do it, it's fine. You don't lose anything where you are. If you decide to do this, uh, then we'll expedite the process in Colombia because the, like the oldest one was getting ready to age out. So they gave us a week to pray about it. And um, we sat down with our two sons, our natural sons, and um, told them about it. And so it was a family decision. Um, I remember that, that one son took the entire week to come back with his answer. Uh, and the other one was like really quick, like that night, said, why wouldn't we do this? So, so it was, it, but it, you know, we didn't pressure anyone in the family. We, we just said we've all got to want to do this because it was going to impact all of us. Um, and so that's how we ended up with Kevin and Juan from Colombia wow. uh, because uh, they were the brothers. Yeah. And so once we agreed to do that, things moved pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you said they were 9 and 13 mm -hmm. when you that's adopted correct. them. Mm -hmm. And how long ago was that? 2015. Okay. So it'll be eight years in November. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So then what happened? Like, how did the process go after that? You said it was pretty quick. Is that like... Yeah, weeks, so months? within six months, we, we were in Colombia. Uh, it started off with um, some, um, like, meetings over the Internet, like, like Zoom meetings, mm -hmm. uh, where we met the boys and talked to them uh, over the, through it, using a translator because they were Spanish-speaking and of course, uh, we don't know Spanish, so right. so we had a translator there, and we met them and talked to them a couple of times mm -hmm. before we actually went down to Colombia. Then when we when we went to Colombia uh, in 2015, we were there in November. Uh, I remember that because we spent Thanksgiving mm -hmm. in Colombia. Uh, we were there almost four weeks, not not a not, not quite, quite four weeks, but almost four weeks is how long it took. Uh, to do all the paperwork and uh, the things that needed to happen in Colombia for us to bring them to the United States. Wow, geez, that's <laughs> that's crazy. So, what like initially made you decide that you wanted to adopt children, and also what made you decide that that was the age group? Because I feel like a lot of times when people want to adopt or foster, it's usually they will want an infant or a very young child. So, where did that? I mean, for me, uh, you know, Cherry would have to answer for her. For me, the I, I felt 
after we had fostered for a while in Alabama, I felt like we should consider adopting. But but Cherry still just wanted to foster, and that was okay. I, I was okay fostering too. Um, but then when we came to California, and it and it just wasn't. It just the doors weren't just. It, it seems like all the doors were closed for us to do it. Um, you know, and so I was just waiting. I figured we would get around to it at some point. I just did. I was waiting for God to put all the pieces together. So that's how adoption happened for me. Um, I don't remember how we chose that age group. I, I don't know. I mean, what I think so. There was after we had Caleb and Seth. I had a third pregnancy, and I um, had a miscarriage from mm-hmm. that. And I can remember after that happened, you know, we tried to, we kind of made a decision that we would not try to have any more of our mm-hmm. own children and mm-hmm. that we would add to our family through fostering mm-hmm. at that point yep. is, is how we felt. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then for me, adoption really came to life after reading that book and understanding, um, uh, you know, the story behind the lost boys of Sudan and um, just what some other kids go through outside of our country yeah. who don't, who live more in, you know, he, our system has foster care set up and has some, you know, a pretty decent system to care for kids where a lot of times in other, other countries do not. And they're very much in orphanages, very much in more primitive, primitive yeah. setups mm-hmm. to be cared for. Yeah. And so just knowing that every child, I believe every child needs a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Caleb and Seth were getting older uh, we didn't really have a desire to bring a newborn in. We could have, you know, easily tried to get pregnant again and have another child. That wasn't our desire. Our desire was more to, to care for a child who didn't have a chance, mm-hmm. you know, and bring them in somewhat close to our, our own kid's age. Yeah. I think that was kind of the, the thought behind it, you know, that if we got a child that was between 6 and 10 years old at the age Caleb and Seth were, they would have a relationship with with this child also it, it was very much the idea is our family is doing this right. and we all wanted to be able to have a relationship if if we had gotten a small child an infant child uh, that child would have been pretty disconnected from from Caleb really because he was the oldest and and Seth's not far behind him and they would have been significantly older than this child and so we you know we wanted them to be a part of the family not an addition to the family yeah yeah that makes sense so what um for you has been the best part about adopting like looking back on it and the whole adoption story and stuff what's been the best or the highlights some of the highlights i mean the first highlight for me was the the day we got them Mm -hmm. i mean we Call it Gotcha Day. Um, call it Gotcha Day. Yeah. It was a Monday morning. We were supposed to be at the orphanage about eight that morning. Um, you know, they were. Um, we had to wait a little bit because they wanted another lady to be there when they when we met Kevin and Juan. Um, and so there was a little bit, a lot of anticipation once we got there, just to kind of wait. And we actually knew Kevin and Juan were there. They were like. Mm-hmm in another building and there was like glass and we kind of we kind of got like a glimpse (laughs) of them Mm -hmm. obviously we had seen them on zoom but um and so just that anticipation and then when they walked into the room um kevin hugged me and broke down in tears i mean it very well it was just i mean i can still feel that feeling Mm -hmm. um we actually have a video of it and um just that moment of of meeting them was you know really 
special and yeah. um, spending that time with them in Columbia um, was really good. You know, Caleb and Seth didn't get to go with us and right. I think that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it allowed us to bond with them and to, to get to know them better before yeah. bringing them home. Yeah. Definitely one of the fondest memories is, is that gotcha day and the time that we had with them in Columbia and just uh, discovering a little bit about who they were mm-hmm. and, and them discovering. I mean, I remember the first time uh, Juan called me dad was in Columbia and we were this place that we were staying at. They had their own room and there was a scorpion in their room. Yeah. And and one came running into our room saying, Dad, Dad, Dad. You know? and so when I went in there, they, they, they wanted me to kill the scorpion. Yeah. And, and so that's a fond memory, you know, just to, to, that they were, you know, seeing us in, in that role in their lives. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that that's a good part of adoption. Um, you know, I know for me, uh, you know, depending on, you know, I as we continue to share our story here, you're going to discover that, you know, our adoption story is not over, but at the same time, it hasn't been a fairy tale story. But, you know, uh, as, as a result of that, you know, another good part of adoption, a part that I didn't plan for is, you know, I've learned a lot about God through this. Um, I've learned a lot about his faithfulness and his power and uh, his grace, his ability to give us what we need when we need it. And not, not a second before sometimes, but right when we need it. Um, and so that those have, have been sweet and special times too. Um, for me, to, 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 you know, I've learned a lot about myself. Yeah. A lot of it I didn't like, but I, but I learned it anyway. Um, so th- those parts have been good about adoption too. Yeah. yeah. And kind of going in the reverse of that question, what have been some of the kind of lower points or things that haven't been as great yeah we have a lot of those we do we do so kevin and juan both um you know have officially been diagnosed with what they call reactive attachment disorder which basically means um at a very very young age they were not cared for well by a primary caregiver and um and left with a lot of distrust because of that and, and not an and inability to attach to people um, and to adults and, and even to us. And so we've kind of walked a journey with them where, um, you know, they've kind of made a decision to say they don't want to be a part of the family. Um, that looks kind of different. Um, you know, with Ke- when Kevin was still at home, he's no longer with us in our house. Um, you know, it could be, it was pretty volatile at times. And there was some, you know, some really times that were just uncertain with him. Um, you know, and then with, with Juan, it looks a little bit different, but there's still that decision that he's made. Um, and so, yeah, it's yeah. been some been some rocky times. Yeah, there have been. Uh, and, and, you know, again, you know, we, it, it's always challenging to talk about this because we don't want to, um, we don't want to put down Kevin and Juan. They, they, uh, you know, we love them. They're our sons. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we can't deny the fact that they've hurt us and, and, that, and that we've been hurt uh, by some of the choices that they've made. Um, and at the same time, understanding that they came, you know, they came to us very broken, mm-hmm. more broken than we realized. Right. 
and and as as we've gotten to know them, uh, what we've gotten to know is their brokenness, yeah. and and that has not been fun. Uh, that is not you know that's not why we did it. Um, you know, and I think for me, I don't know when it was in, in the process of all this. At some point, I realized that I had to let go of the idea that, that they were with us to have a relationship with me. Yeah. Um, and, and to just realize that their relationship with me is secondary to them one day having a relationship with the Lord, hopefully, and that and that I'm really here to help facilitate that as much as I can, uh, as much as they would let me, um, to to love them and and to uh, be good to them, um, but you know just to realize it's not about me. It's not about their relationship with me. Uh, it, it's it's a little bit bigger than that. And um, that was hard to learn that and to accept because I still want that. I still want a relationship with them. And, and so, um, you know, I still struggle with it because there are many days that I'm just like, you know, Lord, why can't it be different than this? You know, why can't, why can't we just talk about the weather or, or talk about uh, sports or girls or whatever it is they're interested in? Uh, instead of not being able to talk about anything. Yeah. So that was the hard part. One of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's a really, I feel like there's a lot of people who go through similar things and it's really encouraging to know that there's others who kind of are in the same boat and hearing the same story. Yeah. Um, so do you think... Um, adopting them affected well obviously it, it has an effect on everyone in the family but how would you say it affected um your other two sons would you say it was like a positive effect a negative effect kind of neutral i think it's having a positive effect uh, the longer it goes that's I my think initial so too. i think i mean a few years ago i would say to a degree it had a negative effect mm-hmm. um you know caleb when things got kind of crazy in our house, Caleb was already away at college, so it did not impact him as much. He only heard about things right. versus experience on firsthand. Seth, on the other hand, experienced some of the vol- volatility, mm-hmm. you know, firsthand, um, and and that was pretty negative. You know, it was it was hard. Um, they've matured a lot, you know, and so I think they see now um, what it means to be committed to loving them. Um, mm-hmm. which is a day-to-day thing, and they see the challenges of it. And so I hope, like Carrie said, that it ultimately will be a positive effect on them. Yeah. 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 I mean, they, you know, there, there were a lot of, uh, you know, I have a lot of memories of, of instances, you know, conflict in the house between Kevin and Seth. They, they were close to the same age. Seth is a little older. And, you know, we... We raised our boys, tried to raise them, our, our natural, you know, our, our biological sons. We, we tried to raise them in a, in a way that, you know, you're, you're kind to people even when they're not kind to you. you. You love people even when they're not lovable. You forgive people when they hurt you. And, and those are the principles we believe in. Um, 
But you know, when it's in your home, and and you've got someone there who's who's very broken and and abusing that, you know, um, they're they're taking advantage of kindness. They're taking advantage of forgiveness. They're taking advantage of love with no conditions. And you know, I I remember you know having to sit down with Seth when when he was struggling and you know and having to tell him. You know, look, you, you're doing the right thing, but, but you're, you know, you're not a doormat and, um, you know, you're going to have to stand up for yourself, yeah. you know, and push back. And, and eventually he did, eventually he reached the place, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a funny story. And if I guess we look back on, it. I remember in the middle of the night with Cherry and I going to bed and, uh, I heard something like a ruckus yeah. in, in the house and. So I got up, you know, I could tell it wasn't a normal sound at all, you know. I got up, ran out of my room, you know, I'm just in my underwear, you know. I run out of my room and, and, and it's Seth and Kevin and they have squared off on one another. And, um, you, you know, they had thrown blows and hitting each other and they were both standing there getting ready to go at it again, you know. And I, I got in between them and sent them to bed and all that kind of stuff, you know. And as unpleasant as that was... It needed to happen uh, because uh, that was that was when Kevin really no longer was able to bully Seth, yeah. and and Seth knew there was a way uh, that hey look I can be mad at someone and still love them, and I can stand up to somebody and not and, and still be okay with the Lord you know still still yeah. be right, yeah. um, but yeah those those were interesting times. You know, uh, and I'm very proud of Seth. I, he he did take uh, quite a bit of abuse sometimes from from Kevin. Um, you know, I, I remember a meal one night where we were all sitting at the table eating together, and and I don't even really remember what triggered Kevin, but he just took his drink and put it on top of Seth's head and poured it out over him. Oh, and 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 Seth just sat there and took that. He didn't react. He didn't push. He didn't. He didn't throw anything. He just sat there. Now I got real mad. Yeah. And and but you know, uh, so you know there were moments like that in our house. Um, they weren't always like that, but but those are the things that tend to stand out that you remember of how it impacted Caleb and Seth. Right. Right. So if like looking back over your whole the whole adoption process if you could go back and do anything differently would you are there things that you would hmm. have wanted to do differently or kind of for people who are maybe considering adoption or fostering I mean I was one that read all the books uh-huh. you know I don't know that Carrie read a single book I but I read a lot of books yeah, you know and um, I, you know and um, you know when you when you become certified to adopt and especially internationally you know you have to go through certain trainings and so forth and we did all those mandatory trainings and so forth I did do the training yes you did do the trainings (laughs) um but what I recall is they talked a lot about grief and how these kids would grieve and um you know we were never um introduced the idea of reactive attachment disorder and what that looks like and um you know I've even most recently come across a, what seems to be a really good website that has a lot of information, has a lot of um, 
just a good resource, but I didn't find it till about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, you know, when when we got them home, we we they had not been home a full year when we realized we definitely needed to be looking for some therapy and for some help. And I believe God opened doors and allowed us to have some good therapy. Um, did it fix them? You know, I. You know, us. It, it helped. Uh, it helped us <laughs> yeah. process things, yeah, yeah. you know, and it yeah. helped us understand where they were coming from. Um, so I guess you know, if anybody's thinking about adoption, I you know, you just you know, you do a lot of research and you pray about it, and, and you trust God's directing you. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you go into it with your eyes as wide open as you can. I, I would say, you know, again, for me, and this is really hard, I, I have to remind myself, you know, it, 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 the adoption can't be about yourself yeah. and, and the relationship that you want to develop um, because um, they, you know, they're going to have their own ideas about what kind of relationships they, they want to have with the people that are adopting that are doing the adopting and so you, there has to be some flexibility there and and so you know god needs space to work and so you have to give him that space um but i don't know if i would do anything different i i i don't know i mean I, there's things i've done that i wished i hadn't done things i've said that i wished i hadn't said yeah. you know in moments of anger or or when I'm really discouraged or disappointed. I would say it's really, really, really important that if a couple is planning to adopt, that they are on the same page. They, they both must be into it wholeheartedly, knowing, because, you know, uh, there's, there's times when it, was, when, you know, when it was at its worst, you know, we would be laying in bed and the temptation is to either one blame yourself for what's happening or blame the other one for what's happening. That's so human nature. Yeah, and and it's not either one of our fault. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't that that, but but the temptation is to do that. And so you just have to know. For me, uh, it's always been even in the hardest moments, I've always known this is what the Lord told us to do. And so I go back to Him and say, "Okay, God, this is your fault." Mm-hmm. This is your fault. I'm just doing what you told me to do. Mm-hmm. Now you got to help me because yeah. I'm just doing what you told me to do. And I, if I hadn't known that, I don't know what, I don't know how this would look. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think um, the one thing that you said that really kind of stood out to me is just making sure you go into it with your eyes wide open because I can't even imagine like getting, I don't know, you're at a, you see the behavior, you see this bad behavior and you want to just react to the behavior, maybe how you would like with your own biological child. And you don't, it's so, I imagine at least it would be so, it's so easy to forget all the trauma and all the past and all the issues that they might have that you just don't even see or even maybe know about. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So it's such a difficult, yeah. Absolutely. Especially with older children. You know, if if this were infants, Infants come with their own set of problems too. Right. Our experience has been older children, and they they do come with, you know, some of their values are already set, some of their priorities are already set, mm-hmm. and we knew that, we knew that coming in. Uh, we just, I, you know, speaking for myself, I didn't realize the depth of brokenness that that existed 
So I don't know how you prepare for that. Yeah, yeah. I do think, um, you know, I, you know, God moved us here about a year before we ended up adopting them. And yeah. sometimes people will say, why did you move to Ohio from California? Mm. And I laugh because I truly believe God put the resources here for what we needed through our I adoption agree. story yeah. that we may have not have ever had in California. Yeah. Um, you know, the state of Ohio has just a lot of resources out there it's and a, a really, lot of, yeah, it's have, a, sorry. No, has a lot of people that have adopted or are fostering. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would just say that, you know, if you, you know, the second you do adopt, are you, um, are thinking about it, find out those resources, research those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot out there and I think God has surrounded us with them as we walk through this journey. Yeah. There, there are states that are adoption friendly and some that are not. And Ohio is definitely an adoption-friendly state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, at the state level, they have passed laws and done things to, to really support uh, adoptive families. Mm-hmm. So not all states are that way. Yeah. So, so I would check it out before you, you know, see what resources are available. Yeah. That's, it's really cool though how God brings us places and we don't even know. Yeah, right. uh, we don't have an inkling right. of what the reason right. is. Oh yeah, don't know what's I mean, around the corner. Were, when see, we were considering yeah. coming to Ohio Grace Bible Church, we never checked the adoption laws at the state of Ohio. No, not at you all. know, we just you just followed where just, God was yep, leading you. Exactly, and, had no idea the blessings that would be there later. Yeah, 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 that's incredible. So, just like in in light of your adoption story, would what would you say to someone who? ask you if you think they should adopt or would you suggest that others adopt or foster children? So I, I do not regret doing this at all. No, it's hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest thing I'm ever, I'm doing <laughs> uh, is, is being uh, their adoptive dad. Um, being their, being their dad. Um, but I would, if anyone was seriously considering adoption, I would, I would encourage them to. Now, I would, uh, you know, all the things that we've talked about, about checking your resources and making sure your spouse is on the same page. And, I mean, there's other little tidbits of things that I, that I might encourage or ask them to check out. But overall, I would encourage, you know, someone to, if they, if they feel led to do so, to, to follow into adoption. Um, you know, that when we were preparing, you know, for, for this podcast, uh, and, and this question may, you may be going to ask this question, but the question that stood out to me is like, is there a mandate? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, the Bible says in the book of James, you know, the true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. Yeah. And, and so is that a mandate or a command for, um, you know, Christians to adopt or to be foster parents. I don't think it's a mandate. I don't think it's a commandment. What I think it is, uh, is a reminder that, that believers should be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're called to do it, but, but I do think there should be a willingness there that says, Lord, if you want me to do this, then, then align that in my life and I will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I, you know, I don't, so that, that's what I would tell someone that's thinking about adoption. Is any, are we commanded to do it? No, I can't say that. But I can say as, as followers of Jesus, we should be willing to do it. Yeah. So that if, if the, you know, the call comes, 
then we should be in that place that says, okay, Lord, I'll do what you're asking me to do. Right. I don't know. You want to add anything to that? No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Covered it all. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just so important in our, I mean, talking about any situation in our lives, obviously, including adoption, that we do, we are closely in tune with God and with what he wants from us. And because I think some people have a very clear call on their lives for certain things and they just know, like, this is, I'm supposed to adopt this child or I'm supposed to go to this place or fulfill this mission or whatever. And for others, it's not as clear. And it's, it's not. You I can't mean, even make f- it cut and dried. Yeah, I mean, even for us. I mean, it took years for us to come to the realization that God was calling us to adopt. Yeah. For us, it was a it was a step by step process. You know, first it was, oh yeah, we can we can be respite foster parents. You know, watch kids over the weekend while, you know, the full time foster parents need a break, and you know, and then it turned into, oh, we could be foster parents. We could do this, and you know, and then. Then it turned into, hey, well, you know, let's maybe we should adopt. So I mean, it can be a process, but uh, but I think it's a willingness. It starts with a willingness to do, and say, God, I'll do whatever you ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were married twenty years before we adopted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say it can be stressful in a marriage. So mm-hmm. just, you know, keeping God first and asking for help when you need help, and yeah. And this wasn't said into the context of adoption, but there's a quote, I don't remember who it's by, but it's, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. No, yeah. And I think remembering that... He's going to give you what you need when you need it. Exactly. Yeah, that's a truly... Yeah. Exactly. And that is true, absolutely. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely seen us through that path. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, just being so open and vulnerable and sharing your story and being willing to talk about it I really think that um, it's adoption and fostering is questions that I know a lot of people kind of struggle with and are interested in but they're not sure like I know for, for me and Mason we've thought about adopting and fostering and stuff but it's something that seems so I don't know big and scary and <laughs> like a kind of a crazy huge life step but I think hearing personal stories and like hearing how even though through all the trials and all the the good and the bad times that you've experienced you still say you wouldn't go back you wouldn't change it you wouldn't you don't it's not something that you regret doing I think that's really powerful well I know a lot of people have have said to me and probably I I think Cherry's told me people have said this to her you know they'll sometimes pull us aside and say oh you guys are saints you guys are wonderful what you did you know, it's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we we're just trying to do what God asked us to do. And we're not heroes or saints or or anything like that. We're we're just trying we're just to trying be faithful. To, yeah, we're just trying to be faithful. We we did what the Lord asked us to do and it's no harder than what he might ask someone else to do. Uh, you know, there, there are people that make great sacrifices to, to serve the Lord and answer, you know, their, the, the call that they have on their life. Uh, so what, what he's called us to do and what we're doing is no greater sacrifice than anyone else who's called to do something um, that they would not choose to do themselves. Yeah. And, and that is, you know, what it means to follow the Lord. You know, and I, I would encourage people that are listening to, uh, you know, don't feel sorry for us. The story is not over. We're, we're not, 
we're trying to share here hopefully the faithfulness of God mm-hmm. in the midst of the, the problems of life. Um, and, and, you know, pray for Kevin and for Juan. Um, I mean, God, I, I know God has a plan for their life, and I know uh, that it may take them, just like it took us 20 years of marriage to figure out we were supposed to adopt, it may take them 20 years of being our adopted sons before they realize, oh my gosh, look what God's done in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and so we pray for that every day. And, and just waiting for God to, to bring it to pass. Yeah. And it's so encouraging to know that no one is ever too far out yeah. of God's reach. Yeah. And no one is ever too far gone. No one's ever beyond Him and that He always has a plan for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank for you. Both of you for coming on the podcast today. It was a really good conversation and I'm yeah. sure it will be a huge blessing to so many people. Thank you for doing this, Christy. Yeah, thanks, Christy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We pray that it helped or encouraged you in some way and just brought so much joy to your day today. You're going to want to make sure that you're subscribed to The Joy Factor so that you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy any of our episodes, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening so that we can more easily reach others with the joy that we have. Thank you so much and have an amazing day. Bye.